All right, we're real. I should, we're, uh, I always forget what number I'm on. I think I just did. I feel like this one's 60. I think you're correct. Or 59, I don't know. I think I posted 59 this morning. Oh. Yeah, 60. 60, wow. Yeah, you learn the, you learn the hacks. So I was doing overdub intros before. Yeah. Just, just lunacy. Right. Like, well, I can just go. Knockout Ginger, episode 60, John Maharaj, we're at the Rex. Yeah. And now we're in, like... So we're in it right now. I sure, yeah. All right, this is it. This is great. <laughs> we can cut anything out, so whatever you want to do, but... Oh, well, I, I don't think... Um, I think at the beginning of the last one, I just started swearing because you said you would cut it out, but I think... Uh, I. I'd like to think I've grown a little since then, so, or maybe I think not. We all have. <laughs> yeah. Did anything happen? So anything happened in the last couple of years since our last one? That uh, anything of significance on the world stage? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. I don't. Uh, well, I moved. You moved since the last one. There you go. Um, yeah, because you were in. I was in Lena's place. That was, yeah, like uh, St. Clair, Bathurst area. And yeah, and now you're here. Anything, uh, yeah. Um, wow, man, you know. It's been crazy. Yeah. Hey, well, you know what? I'm going to get this started. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn the tables a little bit. Can you, uh, because the liner notes are lacking, and you know this. Can you tell me about these lungs. What was the impetus because I've been, I've been, let me give you context. <laughs> you know, Julian Anderson Bose put out a solo record yeah. this week, which is wonderful. Can you and pull I, it, just sorry, can you pull it just a bit closer to you? There you go, sorry. Better? Yeah. Yeah, so I was listening to that, and then and I was listening <coughs> to your record, and I was listening to Dan's record. And I just thought it was really cool and inspiring. I really dug your record. Like, I've, I've had it for a couple years, but then I hadn't pulled it out in a bit. So tell me about it. What, what led to that? What bass are you playing? How much post-production? Because I, I can tell that there's a lot, but I can't tell how much is just like tape hiss or if that's fake tape hiss or like what's going on. So, so yeah, what's the deal? <laughs> so I recorded it um, with this setup in my parents' bathroom. And that explains one of the things. I used, a, I used my checkies because my real bass was in New York still. Okay. Yeah, I remember you telling me that last time that you were still in storage then. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it was sort of. Uh, it was. A lot of it was an exercise in just like how quickly and cheaply can I make a record that I'm still excited about. Okay. So I, I think I, I basically recorded it in, and mixed it in a couple of days and put it out. And it's one mic in front and one mic behind. When you say behind, like, what do you mean? Like, miking the back of the, the bass. Really? And I don't know why I did that. I've never heard of that, but that, like, I mean, because the, the, the way the bass sounds, I didn't know it was the checkies. I mean, yeah. that checks out based on last yeah. time we met. You hadn't gotten your bass out of storage. Checks out. Checks out. You're gonna have to edit that joke out, or there's gonna be some sort of lawsuit from David Gage. I don't know. Um, yeah, because I remember you saying because like your real base, your real base is a okay. 
I might have my facts wrong. Is it a f- like a full size yeah. plywood? Yeah. Right. See, because when I was listening to the record, it doesn't sound like you're playing a small bass. It doesn't. It, no. It sounds treated, but it doesn't sound small. Huh. You got guts on it though, right? Is that what's going on on the G at least? I do now. I don't remember what I recorded with. Okay. I think I probably recorded with a set of Garbos the whole way across. Garbos are gut? Uh, they're like the, the fake one. They're like the silk ones that uh, velvet Garbos. They're like uh, silk wrapped in copper, I think. Right. They're made out of like horse eyelashes. Or yeah, something. yeah. Something. They don't make them anymore. But Well, there's not enough horses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um uh, most likely it was garbo, so gut essentially. And then I took two. I took each microphone, or I took each track rather, yeah. and I loaded up one with. I guess we're getting way behind the curtain here. So no, I'm. I, I asked. Like I'm. Yeah. I but I'm just realizing I'm giving away all my secrets. Well then don't. Um, we'll edit them out. This is just for me uh, to fuck the listeners. <laughs> so it's I took two tracks and on one of the tracks I put And that's what we're hearing. Yeah. Okay. And I did it in GarageBand, so it's all total rub like Of course who knows what, who knows what plugins I've I used or anything. Can I ask you some more questions about that record? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. There's not much to it. Well that's not <laughs> I don't think that's true. Um because when I, after I listened to that record and, you know, and Julian's and Dan's, I was like, I, I was really inspired. And so I, you know, I, I was just playing solo and recording it. And then I came to realization after listening to a few hours of me doing it, I'm like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. So your record, how much was like composed and how much was you just playing? Zero was composed. So you it just was, made that up. It was, that was actually... <laughs> it's <laughs> uh, I, sorry I, I, I might be asking I'm no, sorry no. I, you're just you're like you know it's uh, that was my that was intended to be my microphone check and then you made an album and I just kept playing and didn't stop kind of thing so then how did you decide which one was like movement okay is it chronological what we're hearing on the record it is so is what we're hearing just what you played and then you artificially inserted, mm. you've like mastered it. So you've got, yeah, I just cut it up and you just came up with that. You just played that one day you picked up your bass and that's what came out. Yeah. Fuck man. Well, I like it a lot. I appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, I wanted to just pick your brain about that process because I realized when I was trying to do something similar, I don't, I can't do that. It's like, after several hours of recording, I was like, there's nothing here that I, that I want to listen to. And certainly not that I would want to inflict upon anybody else. And then I listened to like your record and and Julian's and like there's composition, like they're not the only thing, the only similarity to me that they have is that it's a bass, really Mm -hmm. the concept in all three albums to me. I haven't heard Julian's yet. It's great. Very cool. Cool. Julian Anderson Bose. Julian Anderson Bose. Um, and you know what? Let me, just so we can give him the proper plug, I want to make sure we should give the listeners the name of the record. Um, 
Julian Anderson Bowes, uh, Snow Moon is what it's called. And Dan's record is the latest tech. Yeah. If uh, you're wondering yeah. what Dan we're put talking out a about. a book and stuff too. He whole, did. The whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just fascinated by that, that, that you guys were able to do that. I think it's super cool and inspiring. And um, I feel like this, this interview, I, I would be, we would be missing out on an opportunity if I, if I didn't tell you that, especially at the outset, because it was like, it was good and it got me to pick up the bass awesome. again. That's wicked. So, I, And also part of it comes from darkness. Like there, like there's nothing, like at a certain point in my life, I got to make solo records because I can't make ensemble records, you know? Like it's kind of just like the, the I didn't know what else to do, so I did it kind of thing. Yeah, well, I feel like the thing to do in the last couple of years not the thing to do. What is the thing to do? The thing to do in the last couple of years is to survive, really. Yeah, shut up and wear a mask. Yeah, shut up and wear a fucking mask. And just, uh, anyway. Um, but no, like solo records, like so many people have done them. And, I'm, and I think it's, you know, the, the whole, I've been thinking like, oh yeah, maybe I'll do a solo record. And then as, when, as soon as I try and put my nose to the grindstone, I'm just like, this is shit. And so I'm glad that other people did. Because <laughs> it's been... Really, like, you know, Matt Stevens did a solo acoustic guitar record called Pittsburgh, which is wonderful. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, it's cool that people are creating so much out of this. Because um, if if people like you <laughs> didn't, I, I, I don't know. I feel like the fabric of our community would come undone, you know. It's nice to know that people are making things, you know. It's hard to make stuff. Yeah. Yes. It's really fucking hard to make stuff. Like I've I've got two I mean I, I feel like I say this every episode. I've got two in the can and one I'm I'm about to record and I still don't know what to do with them. Like they're just sitting there. Right. Well what I mean when you say what to do what to do with them, yeah. like what do you mean by that? Uh w- streaming, physical, no physical. Do I get a um some sort of PR person on board. Do I send it to rate? Like, I just have no clue. Right. Because at this point, um, simply putting something on the internet and telling people through Instagram and Facebook is not enough. Right. I just don't have the, like, I need some sort of assistance, you know? So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what people are doing. And the only time I sell records is at CD release shows. That's like the only time I've ever sold one. So. Right. And there are no lot of those happening right no. now. <laughs> and, vi- and vinyl's taking 30 weeks. Is that how much it takes to get a vinyl pressed? Yeah. Fuck. Apparently, apparently we're blaming Adele for this. Well, why not? <laughs> <laughs> she had her day, you know. <laughs> I, uh, Ed Sheeran blamed Adele. Did he really? Yeah. Like, I, really? He's like, I can't get my record pressed because Adele's in all the record places right now pressing 500,000 vinyls all across the world. That doesn't... I'm not saying he's wrong. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't work in a vinyl pressing yeah. plant. It seems a little odd. An odd thing to say. Yeah. Yeah, it's... um. I, I don't want to mention any names because I don't think this is incriminating, but I don't want the individual to 
perceive it as such. But I, I, I did a record with somebody, I guess it's close to, I don't know, eight years ago or something. And they were, they were going to print a bunch on vinyl. Mm. And they ran into all these problems with the initial pressing. It was like, yeah, it was on vinyl, but something... I don't know anything about how this works, so if the listeners are like, you know, saying like, no, they just did this, you idiot. It's like, they're probably right. But they ran into all sorts of problems with the vinyl, like didn't sound right. Or mm. like, the I guess maybe the transfer to the vinyl was poorly done. And so they got all the vinyl, but it sounded like shit. So they had to like... I'm I'm still going. Yeah, thanks. For for the listeners at home, uh, <laughs> yeah, Mike and I, hosting. yeah, we're, we're we're at the Rex right now, uh, eating Rex breakfast. So if you're wondering what all the <laughs> that's what it is, we're enjoying our our Rex breakfast. It's just so uh, to give you context, we're not just like drooling on ourselves. Uh, anyway, yeah, this vinyl thing it was a it was a drag because it was like. You know how much work goes into getting something on vinyl. Yeah. And then it was just like, oh, I just felt about so, it was so many headaches. And it wasn't because of anything they had done wrong. It was somebody somewhere along the line, mm. you know, checked box A when they should have checked box B and it just kind of screwed everything up. It was total drag. I think they got it corrected eventually. I think eventually proper vinyl copies were pressed but it was like it was it was tough yeah i mean not for me but just to watch that happen it's just like this low level cycle of heartbreak it was pretty yeah. it's a drag yeah it's tough it like i <laughs> i printed download cards for these lungs and they didn't even come out right and i was like <laughs> fuck <laughs> what was wrong with them uh they were just like the wrong a shape that I didn't order. They were like rectangle and like longer rectangles instead of. It's like the shape of a guitar or something yeah. like that. Just, what yeah. the fuck? <laughs> One job. Um, maybe this adds pressure, which I don't intend to do. But we're all waiting for a solo record from you. No, <laughs> that would be so like. like well, it's, we'd all like everyone would be. That's stoked to hear your solo. Record. That's very kind of you to say. The problem is. Um, I uh, I don't believe in myself, and uh, and so as a result, if I can't piggyback on the great ideas of my friends and colleagues, I don't really feel like I have anything to produce. And I know that that's not I, I like as I'm as I'm saying that I know that that's you know perception dictates reality, and that's that's something that exists in my own head. But that's kind of like where it's at right now. My problem is I can't get past that first step, like. I can do it. I can produce results. The problem is I hate them. Hmm. <laughs> I hate it all. And it's not just like if I'm trying to play solo that I don't like it. It's like I, I cannot listen to recordings of myself unless it's for like research in terms of like, oh, we got to play this song again. How does this one go? Yeah. Or um, if somebody's going to release a record and I have to make sure like I don't sound, didn't do anything embarrassing. But uh yeah, I want to get that thing that people have. Like, I, I just can't, I can't. And the thing with a solo record, when it's, and you know this, anybody who's actually created something knows this. I, I can't do anything without a deadline or external pressure. And when you're creating your own thing, 
I don't feel any external pressure to do it because I don't feel like I, for me, I'm just like, ah, oh, the world didn't ask for this and I can just go about my living my life the way I always have. And you know, nobody cares what I'm doing. And then if I, if there is no deadline, if there's no like tangible mm. date by which I have to produce some sort of result that I can understand or quantify, I fucking can't do it. It's a huge personal shortcoming that I've become horrifically aware of even just in the last <laughs> month. It's really like the reality of yeah. that thing that I've sort of danced around for the last 25 years. It's like, here's the thing, man. <laughs> it's like, fuck. <laughs> Huh. It never went away. I just got my got busy and ignored it, and it's right back again. So, or not again, still. Sorry, you're not my therapist. I don't know why I'm telling you all this. You don't need to hear this. No, this is, <laughs> I mean, this is this is group therapy for everyone. Do you think this is good for the podcast? Oh yeah. Or is this uh, is this going to get edited out and no. post? No, it's good. Um, I think that I don't know when it happened for me. I think it had something to do with. Um, well, I know it had something to do with the fact that I heard Jason Moran in a masterclass say that he doesn't he doesn't trust people who don't listen to themselves. And then I thought, all right, guess we're doing this now. Yeah. And I kind of I think I'm I think I'm on the other side where I listen too much. Right. Like I'm the guy who's I play a set here and then on the set break I'm listening to it to go like what How's this going? Oh, that I understand because you're, you're curating what you're sharing yeah. in real time so that you can, I mean, I'm sorry, I'm putting words in your mouth. No, if if what I'm saying is inaccurate. No, that's a much more eloquent way of saying it. Like that's. Yeah. You're trying to create something it, and you're doing quality control as it's happening. Mm. I mean, when I it was dishonest for me to say that I never listened to myself, but when I do, it's, I'm not like, yeah, I'm more like, what's the problem that we need to fix today? Yeah. yeah. It's more that. Right. That's like, the, that's mostly how I, unless I'm, unless I'm piecing together a record, yeah, I'm listening to myself and hating every second of it. Oh yeah. Which is, I mean, I, hate is a strong, I'm uncomfortable. Oh sure. yeah. It's so I don't uh, yeah it's I don't I don't know I don't know why there's a disconnect between like um, critiquing and fixing myself and pretty excited to piece records together yeah I don't know where what the where the disconnect or where it changes oh I know it doesn't make any sense I mean I've never been done the leader thing that of any consequence. But I feel that when participating in other people's records where it's like, I'm both, I don't want to do it, but I want it to be done. Mm. But then the problem is whenever it's done and I get away from it and I listen to it with a beginner's mind, I think of all the things that I should have done that would have been more musical than the decisions I made, which were based on who fucking knows what, you know what I mean? And it's, uh, and I, and I know that that's the process, I think. I don't, yeah, I know that it's the process, I think. That's nice and ambiguous. But it would be nice to be able to sort of get to a point where it's not steeped in so much uh, self-doubt and self-loathing. For sure. If it was actually functional, you yeah. know. Yeah, cool. Yeah, <laughs> thanks. 
For the listeners at home, Andy's, Andy's taking uh, my plate and my brown toast, which I did not finish, and not because it wasn't delicious, but because <laughs> I've just been carb loading for the last month. Carb so, <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So we're going to... I am, yeah. Could I please get a coffee? I'll put the first pot on. Okay. Thank you. Um, yeah, it's like, I feel like dancing, doing the dance between being self-critical and honest with yourself, but to the point where it doesn't become self-destructive and uh if you got any tips man (laughs) no no because um, mine's pretty self-destructive okay like it's a it's an incredibly like i'm ruined you know yeah oh yeah i know like i i don't know how i am supposed to exist in like real life yeah any like i don't know how i'm supposed to drag a partner into this bullshit. I don't know how I'm supposed to like socialize with friends who aren't musicians. Like it's just such a, Oh yeah. You like can't, a, it's, it's talking to muggles, man. Like <laughs> seriously, you know, it's, and, and even, and I don't say that in a way that I don't look down on people who don't play music mm. at all. Why? That's a silly thing to do. But it does feel like there's there's aspects of this existence that only other musicians and, you know, to a lesser extent, other people in the performing arts can get. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You just have, you, you have that shared experience of just, you know, constant rejection and all, all the thing, feelings of, but those other moments of elation when it sort of comes together. Yeah. I feel like it's it's hard to really coexist with people who don't know what that is like i don't even know what to say i don't know what to talk about because i don't understand anything else except that you know yeah that's exactly (laughs) that's the problem that's the fucking problem man (laughs) we were sold we were sold a lie that said as long as we understood this we'd be okay but we're actually less than okay (laughs) i wasn't even sold a lie (laughs) i knew what i was getting like i ran into the fire you know right i just didn't i didn't quite grasp that the fire was going to burn this quickly yeah this intensely yeah well but i'm aware like i try not to complain because i i realize what i signed up for yeah but uh i did a lot of complaining over this covid stretch here yeah but do you mean like the latest stretch the the omicron stretch the the last two years the last two years yeah yeah. so the stretch of this pandemic yeah 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 You'll be ready for the next one, though. I mean, I'm sure you'll... <laughs> yeah, maybe we'll... Yeah. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> I mean, we... Uh, yeah, no one gets out alive, but... No. Would be nice to... It'd be great if this was the last one of our lifetime. Yeah. But I... I, I mean... <sighs> Okay, let's go. Um, so, well, I haven't heard you have this conversation with anybody this literally, so maybe you've edited it out with other people, but like, so, you know, we go back to like January, 2020, right? Mm-hmm. For the listeners at home, oh wait, you live on earth? Okay, then you know what I'm gonna talk about. You know, there were reports of this strange pneumonia, right, World Health, like people knew that this was happening. And I, 
I feel like the people in power everywhere, or at least the people that we deal with in Canada, they, it should have been more... People must have known at that point, January, February, mm -hmm. what was going to happen, I would think. There, there would have to be somebody on this team of medical experts being like a worst case scenario, the really unpopular person being like, um, wait a second, you know, cause remember they thought they didn't know if it was on surfaces. They didn't know if it was in the air. And so they were, and, you know, and you know, like, I'm still not convinced they know that. In I'm not a hundred, you know, well, I mean, cause I mean, in Canada, they've, they've only said publicly and clearly that it's airborne. That's, that's only been shared for like the last couple of months, but that was known for over a year we've known it was airborne, but nobody wanted to say that because if you say it's airborne, then it makes it clear that like, you know, putting on the single layer cloth mask ain't going to do shit. Mm. This, us sitting a couple feet away at a table, it's, it's not, it's not going to do shit. It's not, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I just feel like there was, there was this opportunity in the beginning to like really come up with some sort of plan. It might've been bold. People might not have liked it. But there was, there was a moment to strike and that opportunity was squandered. And the strike could have been something like, not like the quote unquote lockdown that we had, mm. which was like, you can't go anywhere except everywhere and maybe stay away from people or, or oh, I don't know. Ah. Yeah. Don't work unless you have to work, but. Yeah, but then go to work yeah. and, but wash your green peppers and soap and water because <laughs> who knows what the fuck is going on. But like, <laughs> you know, there are all these opportunities and it's, I'm just, what I'm scared of I was saying this to Kathleen last night. If like, if these same people are the same people who are in charge of like dealing with like climate crisis, I'm terrified. If, 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 if the, if the whole plan is to just kick it down the curb and hope it's going to take care of itself, it's like, Oh, what's up? Are we cool? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> it's, um, it doesn't fill me with a lot of positivity. So I know like, you know, we got to create while we can, because like, who knows what's going to happen. But, uh, we actually had a party for at that point it was Kathleen's 40th birthday. So like March 6th, I think it would have been, super, you know, super spreaders. I'm kidding. <sighs> no, dude, you could say, <laughs> I, I felt that way too. You know? So we had like a, a little gathering at our house of, of Kathleen's midwife colleagues and friends. At that point I was, you know, the show was going on and I was reading the news a lot and every day the show was kind of on edge. There were a couple of veterans who had done the Lion King. And they're like, no, 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 it could be like SARS. SARS was cool. Here's what we did. <laughs> like, not SARS was cool, but like, <laughs> you know, there were some, there were some quiet houses, you know, they moved Mama Mia to Vancouver for a couple months. Yeah. Everyone was working. It was cool. We got back. And so it might just be some of that, you know? And so I'm like reading the news every day. I'm reading, um, different sources like routers, routers. Is that how you say it? I'm not writers. Know. I've only ever read it. I've never heard anyone. I think it. writers is supposed to be widely acknowledged as the most uh, neutral. Hmm. So you're you're getting as much as is possible when it's reported by humans. You're getting as unbiased a story as yeah. you can. I just remember reading, oh, this is kind of weird. This uh, the coronavirus, and people were making the jokes. Oh, you want some lemon with your or Lyme, Lyme disease yeah. with your coronavirus? Yeah. I remember at the show, we're just like all oh, freaked out, and then it's like. Uh, so we had this party at the house and there's like all these midwives and nobody's wearing masks. Nobody, those, nobody was even talking about masks unless you lived 
in you know japan or mm. because it's normal to wear masks on the subway which i think it will be going forward here as well and anyway yeah so everybody's like gathered in our living room and i'm just like sitting there and i'm not i'm sort of trying to stay away from everybody i remember uh, kathleen was like should we cancel it and i was like well I th it doesn't doesn't feel good and i'm because i was like really freaking i was like i just i just don't want to lose my job and then it's like oh well you won't just lose your job <laughs> It's like, imagine the whole, everything you know about the performing arts on earth is going to be upended for a couple of years. Like the whole, our lifeblood, which is getting people together in rooms. It's like, that's, oh, by the way, can't do that anymore. You know? And do you remember those early days when there would be like the future of, of performing arts and it would show like a theater and they had taken out like two thirds of the seats. And so it's like. If that's the future, I'm out. <laughs> yeah. that's, I said that right away. Like as soon as people started doing virtual shows, I was like, I, this is not for me. Yeah. This isn't even, this isn't even close. Yeah. And I understand it. Like you want to perform, you want to share something and people want to hear music, but there's something about that medium where you finish a tune and you're getting nothing just fucking crickets it's like it's hard not to feel like you're bombing you know yeah but uh, yeah, I mean not too dissimilar from my regular life but <laughs> and oh, for the listeners at home I am not now nor have I ever been a COVID denier and I I'm happy to wear my mask and I'm happy to be vaccinated I'm happy to do whatever is required of us to keep other people safe just because i feel like now there's a i feel like there's almost this it's sort of simmering below the surface where if, if you even say like well what are we doing it's you can you almost get branded a, a heretic like am i saying that right now yes i am like like you're like you must be an anti-vaxxer. And it's like, no, 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 I'm not. But I just, I'm not sure if the way we handled this was, Yeah. I don't think, I don't know. Yeah. I don't think we would have, anyone would have drawn it up this way. Like I had this radical idea that of course is benefited by hindsight. Cause of course all that this idea needs to work is a time machine. Um, <laughs> So tell you what we do. We, we, we kill baby Hitler. No, it's, uh, <laughs> well, it's, it's not that, but so like, okay. So remember, remember the early days, right? When we, when we get Serb, right? Great. Wow. Amazing. Canadian government. Yeah. Acknowledging that there are so many of us in the hospitality and entertainment industries who are fucked, right? Now, you know, what could have made that better. I think as uh, somebody who knows nothing about creating public policy and can barely play the bass and <laughs> reading at a approximately grade nine level. Uh, what if those early days of CERB, it had been somehow coupled with a retraining program. So you're collecting your CERB, but there's, there's some training program to be like a PSW, some sort of hospital staff that isn't a doctor or a nurse, like not somebody on the higher levels, you don't, yeah. but just a body that can be there that can work 
and brilliant. I didn't hear one person say this one time. Like that's because all of us, we're all out of work. All of us in the performing yeah. arts. I don't know about you. I need the dignity of work. I need to be doing something. Yeah, it I doesn't agree. have to be playing the bass. I need to be fucking doing yeah. something. That's part of what's driving me crazy right now. It's like I have no bass work and I can't get a normal job right now while the schools may be open or closed or while I was on mm. COVID isolation or while I still have a couple hours at the, the schools that we can't mention by name. But yeah. like, so I've got just enough that it's fine, but not enough that I see, like I'm looking at May. I'm like, what the fuck am I going to do? But if you gave people that dignity of work and the money, then, okay, Mike, pop quiz. Why are we being told that we've had lockdowns like all these times? What is the what is the crux of the problem? Uh, flattening the curve so that the healthcare system doesn't get overworked. Overworked. And why is it overworked and overwhelmed? Because there's not enough people. Not enough people, yeah. <laughs> right? Kathleen yeah. is running into this at work. Like she had to miss a bunch of work because of COVID. But if you're an exposure, you have to miss too, right? So they're like, they're running on fewer people can work there. But if you had this army of people who had retrained, who could be called upon when their industries, the hospitality industry, the entertainment industry are suffering, of course they're going to take those hours. Now I know it's not as simple as that. I know it's not as simple as train person A for job A and then plug them in. But I feel like something like that, if, 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 if we're throwing money at problems, throw and if the problem is a health problem, throw money at it. Yeah. Like just fucking throw as much money at that problem as you can so that it's not going to make COVID disappear, but it's going to make it so that the infrastructure is healthy enough that it can cope with the ebb and flow of yeah. disease. And yet here we are two years later and hospitality industry and entertainment industry are yeah. still fucked. The hospitals are still shorthanded. Yeah. And I could be wrong, but other countries have built buildings to help yeah. relieve the pressure. Like, and yeah. And meanwhile, our, I mean, now it's, now it's getting political. Why not? <laughs> but like our, our esteemed premier, let's just harp on, you know, this individual there's, there's rhetoric about like canceling uh, license registrations a uh, hundred dollar, you have to pay 120 bucks, right? To yeah. every year because the election's coming up in June and you know, that's an easy way to buy votes. It's just like, Oh, I'm going to cancel this registration. So wait a second. You're going to take, I forget how much money it works out to. I think it's billions of dollars annually that the provincial government would be missing out on that. That's willfully saying we don't want to buy votes so that they can govern again, but they'll be governing with governing with less money coming in so what public policy can you possibly enact when you're down billions of dollars that you opted not to collect like it's just i don't understand i don't understand i don't even know where to start like these are people's lives man yeah you know what i mean it's not yeah i and i should when you when you made your uh COVID testimonial. What, what did you, what, what would you call that? The, uh, I agree with masking. Oh yeah. My, dis my COVID disclaimer. Yeah. COVID disclaimer. I, I agree with everything you said, except I would also add that I'm a skeptic yeah. at this point, like highly skeptical of everything that every move I'm 
skeptical of are we doing this because it's safer or are we doing this because we're trying to make people happy yeah and it's 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 so hard to know and and like i I, like i've only ever done music school i don't know much i'm standing outside with a mask on two masks if i'm at work wearing two masks i see someone smoking a cigarette on queen street and i can smell the smoke yeah I don't. Yeah, and then what much. is smell? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I don't yeah. know much about science, but I'm pretty sure if I'm breathing in someone else's smoke, yeah, I'm probably breathing in their COVID. But then, you know? so, like, so here's another crazy thing. Like, again, this is purely anecdotal. Yeah. So I got COVID. I probably contracted it around December 21st to 22nd. Yeah, exactly my timeline. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know I got it. I got it at come from away. Oh, sorry. Did I say that? <laughs> it doesn't matter. Don't work there anymore. Um, is that not starting up again? No. That's, that's it's over. Over, over for good. It's, I could get into that story too. That's super <laughs> uplifting. Um, I didn't realize that. Oh, no, it's over, man. So, so we were told, I mean, is this, is this good fodder for the show? I don't sure. care. It doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. yeah, I, got, yeah. I've, I've literally have nothing to lose folks. So, <laughs> you know, the, during the pandemic, I mean, I, I will say the, the producers, the American producers in particular, but the Canadian producers being mervish, like every couple in the early days, we, you know, we were told two weeks, two weeks off and then two weeks became a couple months. And I, I don't, I understand why that happened. Of course, of course. Um, but you know, we kept getting emails like every couple months, it's coming back guys, stay put. Don't worry. Here's what needs to happen. Eventually, as soon as, you know, vaccines were approved, it's like, here's what's got to happen. We yeah. need enough of the population vaccinated that this is going on. This is going to happen. And I was skeptical the whole time because, you know, it just seemed too good to be true. It's like, so wait, this thing is going to happen. That's going to bring down our industry globally. And somehow I wind up with a gig at the end of it. Oh yeah, that sounds awfully convenient. <laughs> that's uh, that's some pretty fanciful thinking there. But anyway, whatever. And it's great. So you know, there's this there's this like little glimmer of hope that like, well, at least I'll have a job, and a job I like, and a job that I know I can do. And um, you know, so we get in there. This is actually quite a. Is this actually going to be less interesting? I, I, I'm, I, I just, I, I don't want to go into this if this is just going to be boring for everybody, but like... I'm enjoying it. Okay. I'm, I'm incredibly interested. Well, then you're my audience right now. Out, okay. Yeah. So, so finally, you know, in the summer around July, I was, I've been, okay, so full stop, I've been incredibly lucky during the pandemic that I've kept a couple musical jobs and like I got to work at Stratford this summer, which was fucking amazing. Just again, the dignity of work was, I just really needed that. And as it was happening, we got an email from the producer saying, we're back, guys. Right. It was like uh, that episode of, uh, I think it's Community. Uh, anyway, like, yeah, we're back. And like, November 3rd, we're going to do it. So here's how it's going to go. You know, you guys all got to be double vaccinated. Fine. No problem. Mm. Already am. You know, and we're going to start selling tickets. There's going to be lead ups, going to be publicity. Fucking right. Sign me up. Going to work again. I'm a little skeptical. <laughs> but I'm like, well, they're saying it's happening so far I mean, you know whatever and so the date gets pushed back until december 1st and then it gets pushed back to december 15th okay fine whatever so as it's leading up to the early rehearsals it's like um 
you know, the, there's got to be lots of protocols in place. Mm. And so, um, it was basically the perfect storm of like everything going wrong. It, and there's, there's no, there's no individual at fault here. Well, not within the company, not, not, it's like, I mean, the, it's poor governance and poor leadership. Um, and not enough money. Um, but anyway, so we get, you know, there's going to be a band rehearsal and then I, I couldn't go to that because I, I had to, um, teach and the, the very first band rehearsal got canceled because it was at, I don't want to say the name, but it was at a rehearsal studio in town that didn't have a vaccination policy. So everybody in the company was getting we were really anal about being vaccinated yeah. in mass and then going into a place where we'd be surrounded by people who weren't. So the rehearsal got canceled, right? To me, that was a bit of a canary in the coal mine. Um, we were supposed to, the musicians were supposed to test twice a week with rapid tests provided yeah. by the company. Amazing. That got bumped up pretty fast to four times a week. This is like over the course of like a week and a half of rehearsal and a week of shows. So, you know, testing gets doubled. Yeah. So it's like, oh, okay, it's weird. So far, none of us have COVID. We're all testing negative on the rapid test. Nobody's doing the throat though. We're just little poop, poop up the nose. Yeah. No problem. Hey, yeah, look, no COVID here. <laughs> and so this was like the, the, thing, the thing that went over like a turd in the punch bowl or a fart in church, as they say down East. Opening night, we did a quick rehearsal as the rehearsal's happening, the government says 50% capacity. So like we're getting, we're going into opening night and then we find out the government's saying as of this weekend, 50%. Jesus. So they've sold all these tickets. Now they have to refund or redistribute. Not easy to do. Not a good thing. Because like, like concerts and everything, you know, you need bodies and seats. Yeah. to turn a profit. And if you don't turn a profit and you're running a business like that, you have no business. You're just losing money. You can't. So anyway, snowflake turns to blizzard, you know, houses are getting smaller. Then there's a breakthrough infection in the company, which of course over the course, so we shut down. Sorry, can I interrupt for yes. a sec? So when you're, you're preparing for opening night, mm -hmm. like literally op the day of opening yeah, night, you're, you're yeah. at opening night. And it's presumably a sold out show. So opening night was full because they hadn't imposed the, the right. They had imposed the restrictions for that coming weekend. So then, okay. Okay. So we did, but this was what was funny. So opening night, you know, we did a full house. It was like 1250 people. Mm. And I remember. So at the end of the show, the band comes out and, you know, does a little thing, you know, do a little dance and wave with the crowd and see you later. I remember coming out on stage and doing our little thing and looking out, I'm not wearing a mask and I'm just seeing like 1300 people on their feet on their like staring back clapping. And I'm just thinking of 1300 bodies breathing on me. And I was like, yeah. Uh Oh, <laughs> and like, <laughs> you know, at this point we're reading about Omicron and they're saying, Oh, it's going to be really contagious, but not as severe. And so, you know, the positive, the people trying to maintain some semblance of positivity in the company are like, well, it's less mild. You know, we're going to be okay, guys. Yeah. We're going to be okay. It's going to be some quiet houses. We're going to get back on our feet. But what happened when the government announced that these restrictions at Omicron... So, sorry, really, I'm going to interrupt go again. Ahead. When you say quiet houses, 
What is this? Okay. <sighs> okay. In in before times. Yeah. Before COVID. Yeah. This the smallest house we ever would have had would have been something like seven hundred or something. Oh, you're talking capacity. Capacity. Oh, okay. sorry. Yes, yeah, that's yeah. what I mean when I say house. Yeah. Like the house, okay. like the people in the. Yeah. Sorry. I'm sorry. I. I. Yeah. No. That. That's. That's what. That's what I mean. Okay. Um. And uh, yeah. So, but what happens when public health officials go publicly and say this is very dangerous? See, this is what the thing the Ontario government did that was so insidious, and I'm sure it was felt everywhere, was that they didn't impose restrictions right away. They said, this is really bad. Everybody stay home. Yeah. But they didn't close anything down because if they closed anything down, they would have been on the hook for the hundreds of thousands of people. I'm assuming, I don't know the actual number, who would then be out of work, right? Yeah. But if you just tell people, stay home, it's really dangerous, then they're going to make their decisions. And then the government at the end of the day can say, well, it wasn't us. You know, it was this thing. Uh, we uh, People got to stay home. And there's no recourse. Yeah. And so that's kind of what happens. Tickets stopped selling like overnight. And then it just, it became, then there was a breakthrough infection, which led to one of the cast members being a confirmed case, which then spiraled into myself and the associate. And well, I, I don't want to say too much because I don't want to expose anybody's health information, but like myself and another one of the musicians who were sitting close together, we got it. And like 10 cast members or something got it. I don't know how much it went through the crew. But it was, it got, it was like within 48 hours, it got to the point where we didn't have enough people to do the show. Like there weren't enough people in Toronto who could do come from away. <laughs> like, Which is kind of a crazy thing because I, I assume there's, I assume there's a group of people who probably wouldn't do a great job, but they could show up and read quite. Yeah. Know. Well, I had my subs, right? right? I had three of them, but the problem with that is it's a logistical problem. Yeah. So like they would have to test before coming in. Well, how do you do that? Yeah. I have no idea. Like, thanks Thank a you. lot. Like, how, and then, you know, for our four times a week tests or whatever it was, like we had to test, we had to submit in the morning. Right. Mm. But if you submit your test at 10 AM, 8 AM, 9 AM, whatever, but you're not showing up to work until 7.30. Well, there's a lot that can happen in there. There is, yeah. So you could be doing everything right and still, and I think that's what, that's what happened. It's like somebody brought it in. I don't, I don't think anybody was being irresponsible. We all wanted to keep our jobs. Right. Nobody was fucking around. You know what I mean? It yeah. was pretty, but it's like with Omicron, I mean, but the weird thing about Omicron, so I get Omicron, I go, I'm like, I got a test on boxing day to see if I had COVID just because we were supposed to go back the next week and do the show. And I was like, well, I'm not going to be the one to bring this production to the to a grinding <laughs> halt. And because Kathleen is a healthcare worker yeah. at that point, I had access to PCR tests. Yeah. Um, so I went to the, you know, she booked me a PCR test because they needed to make sure the healthcare workers weren't living with anybody who had COVID. Yeah. So I go get a PCR on boxing day and I get the result and it's COVID positive. So I'm like, Oh fuck, I can't go to work and my subs aren't ready yet. But then it was all for naught because it just, <laughs> because, yeah, because they just, the, they weren't, because the houses were so small, it was no longer paying for itself. And they saw no end in sight because there was no end to the pseudo lockdown in sight, you know? And so they, they could not see a time when they would start being able to turn a profit again because people didn't want to gather in a, in a room and be breathed on. 
So that sucks. That's how it ended. But um, you can edit that out if you want. I don't, I don't know if anybody's actually going to be interested in Come From Away. <laughs> I think. I mean, I think the, that's incredibly interesting. The way that that played out is. It was just everything went wrong. Yeah. That that could possibly go wrong. It was like, what's the expression? A comedy of errors. Yeah. It truly was. Yeah. And it wasn't. I want to be clear. It was nobody in house's fault. Like everybody who was there at every level was trying to make it work as best they could with the knowledge they had. Right. And, and the tools they were provided, mm. but it just couldn't, you know? And then to me, that was like, I mean, I still, I'm still kind of messed up about it because I see it as being a canary in the coal mine, because if that thing can't survive a Canadian production in Canada about Canadians, you would think that the Canadian or provincial government would throw money at it. If nothing else, then the whole CanCon thing. Right. That's why I was conf- that's why I didn't really understand what you meant when you said you're it's done. It's done. It was when it finished for COVID. So basically I had to experience the same trauma <laughs> twice. <laughs> One time was uh with a masked audience, the other time was without a masked audience. But um no, the first time when they shut down for COVID, they're like, leave your stuff here. And and so when I got back, everything was exactly as I left it two years before. There was a picture of Talia on my music stand from she was four years old. I was like, oh, my kid doesn't look like that anymore. But everything was exactly where I left it, except there was dust on everything. Yeah. This time was like, we're done, guys. Come get your shit. <laughs> and so I, I was going to go by the theater to see because I know they've taken it all apart. Yeah. But I just kind of can't. I can't do that. I mean, I know it's over. I'm not in denial, but it's just like, I, I'm not, I'm just not ready for that yet. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Cause it was a job I had that I knew how to do. I mean, this sort of circles back to, we're talking about your record and I'm asking you, how do you do it? I do mean that because I don't know how to play if I don't have a specific, I need, uh, what's, I need parameters. I can't do anything without parameters. That show was full of parameters. And that's, that's why I could do it. Because I always knew exactly what I had to do. Hmm. And I knew when I had to do it. And as long as I did that thing, yeah. I was doing a good job. Whereas life is so, real life is so much messier than that. And it's like, man, what am I going to do now? There's no parameters right now. I don't know what to do. Like, <laughs> Start making solo records. Start making solo <laughs> records. But that's my problem. That's why I can't get it off the ground. Because it's like, I just listen to it and there's nobody... It's, uh, I, I admire greatly yourself and Dan and Julian and anybody else who is able to do that. Cause it's like, it's, it's so fucking tough. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't see it that way. I see it the opposite way. Right. Like I look to people like you and I go, okay, I can't do that. You know, like it's a, it's just different worlds that we ex- like. I could like I don't at at this point in my life, I mean, I'm 32. I don't know. I don't know if I could prepare myself to ever do a show. Oh yeah, in my lifetime. No, you could do it. You could do it. <laughs> but that's how I feel about solo right. records. Okay, you know, yeah. like I now understand. Yeah, it's sorry, just like it took a, a minute. <laughs> it's just a different like. It's uh, it's skills that I never, I was never good at like structure and following rules and and reading and all this stuff and then I was put in positions where I never had to do it 
Right. And then I was like, oh, I guess I don't have to, whatever. I right. guess this is my life. And now we're here and I still don't really know how to do anything. So, well, that's, that's not true. But so how did you learn then? Like, how did you, did you just like pick up a bass one day and it just kind of made sense? Or like, what's the deal? Uh, pretty, I, I started playing bass in 12th grade uh, band class. And I kind of played guitar before that. Mm-hmm. And then I, I lucked out. It was like a big, I went to a, I went to a music school with like a dynasty music program. Like I was in way over my head. Okay. And when you say dynasty, like what they were winning gold medals at, at things. Where were you? I was at Nelson high school in Burlington. Okay. Um, so like, for example, when we, my, my first year in the band when I was in 12th grade, we got demoted and we were in university competitions. So like we were going up against freshman ensembles kind of thing. Yeah. And we were in 12th grade and that was a demotion probably because of me. Not (laughs) like, you know, like, but here's the thing. The person who was playing bass before me that year, she left because she got early acceptance to Curtis Institute. She, she, does Carnegie Hall stuff now she's a New York person Um, but that's how heavy the program was so I was kind of just thrown in way over my head no idea right and uh, still no idea but I was just always I've always been in a position where I just get thrown into something and I it's like sink or swim and I yeah and I not sure if I swim or sink but I I don't have the skills to I don't have the skills to go into a situation like that and go okay I'm gonna swim for sure 